In uh, John's Gospel, chapter 8, I'm going to read one verse, and then I have a few other verses I'll read, uh, try to get right to the message tonight. And we're talking about walking with God and uh, how important it is, if we're going to walk with God, that we walk in the light. Now, John chapter 8 and verse 12, Then spake Jesus again uh, unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the light of the world. And he said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 said this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. You're familiar with this verse, I know. It's in the sermon uh, we call on the mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Our Lord said this, let your light so shine before men. Let me just pause and say, that's the requirement. Somebody said, well, Brother Graham, it's my life. I'll live it how I want to. It's nobody's business how I live. Did you know the Bible said that we're supposed to let our light so shine before men? In other words, Christ is the light of the world, but when He gets in us... He also calls us the light. We are a reflection of Jesus Christ. And so we have a requirement to let our light so shine before men. That means at work. That means at school. That means uh, out in society. That means when you're driving in traffic, even if it is backed up, that you let your light so shine. Now listen, I'm not preaching lifestyle evangelism, but if you're saved tonight, your life ought to be different than the world. There ought to be a reflection of Christ in everything that we do. And boy, sometimes our old flesh gets in the way, doesn't it? I, I know our Savior was perfect in every way, uh, but sometimes our flesh uh, rises up to really oppose that, and yet we are supposed to reflect Christ in our life. Then he goes on to say that they may see your good works. And there again is the reflection. They're watching your life. They're seeing something. It's amazing sometimes when people will look at your life and say, hey, there's something different about you. Uh, something's unique about your life. A lady in our church worked at Walmart for a number of years, and uh, one of her coworkers said to her one day, what's different about you? She said, what do you mean? She said, well, when other people would get, uh, you know, the boss getting on to them or a customer being unkind... You always respond with such a sweet attitude. And she said, how do you do that? And she said, I'm a Christian. And the lady said, well, so is everybody in Saline County. At least they claim to be. She said, except for me, I'm a Jew. But she said, outside of me, I think everybody in this county claims to be a Christian. What's different about you? And she said, well, all I can tell you is that I'm a Christian. I try to follow biblical principles in my life. And she said, hey... Uh, ask your, she said, I don't know what you call it. We call ours a rabbi. Ask your, uh, she said, our pastor? Yeah, ask him if he would allow me to come to your church. Because i got to figure out what's going on that's different about you. That's not like other Christians I know in Saline County. And, he, and she said, I don't have to ask him. You're more than welcome to come. She came to church. It was kind of interesting when she came. Right after the service, she made a beeline to me and she said, I was amazed. You preached out of the Old Testament. I thought you all only used the New Testament. I said, oh, no, we believe it all. Genesis to Revelation. This is the Word of God. She said, that's amazing. 
She said, uh, I'm a Jew, but, and I don't plan to change, but you mind if I come back? I said, come back. She came and came. I remember my wife and I went to her home and witnessed to her. And here's what she said. I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But she said, it's going to be hard to give up all of this. And she pointed to the, you know, the prayer book and her father's uh, different things from her father had already passed away and all of the you know, things that would be found in the home of someone who was a practicing uh, Jew. And uh, she said, and, and uh, of the Jewish uh, faith. And so as uh, we talked to her, we pled with her. We, of course, had shared the gospel with her. She didn't get saved, but she kept coming and kept coming. And I preached one night on, in our church on uh, that subject. He didn't throw the clay away. And uh, the invitation was going on and she walked the aisle. And that night she trusted Christ as her personal Savior. What was an exciting thing. You know why? Because she saw something in a lady in our church that was different than she had seen from everybody else around her. You know, just one, one reflection of Christ makes a difference. Anyway, let your light so shine before men. That's the requirement that they may see your good works. That's the reflection and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is the recognition. It's not about us. It's all about Him. Somebody say amen. You know, it's not about everybody saying, oh man, that guy's a great Christian. I want to be a great Christian. But can I tell you something? The more that I know Him, the less impressed I am with me. Yeah. And uh, He ought to be the center of our attention. He ought to be the one that we strive to walk with. So let's get to our uh, outline tonight. And if you would notice just a couple things. Number one, the resource for our walk. We talked last night about walking in the light, but, but how do we do that? Well, I, I say first of all, we have to walk in the light of the Savior. Let me say tonight, you cannot walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ if you don't know the light. It's impossible. You know, there are religious people all over the world that claim to have some kind of a faith, but they don't know Christ. You know, I've met people that have said to me, well, as long as you're sincere, Brother Graham, that's all that matters. You know, as long as you believe in something, the problem is the Bible makes it clear there are not ten ways or five ways or two ways to get to heaven. There's one, and it's Christ alone. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I've had people say to me, well, Brother Graham, don't you think as long as they're sincere? You know, sincerity is not going to get you to heaven. It takes a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we walk in the light, as he mentioned there in John 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, I don't know about you, but I like for things to be lit up except when I'm sleeping. And, uh, you know, there have been occasions, I remember one time we, we, where we live at, I was going over to the apartment where my mother had lived and after she passed away and my wife's uh, mother died unexpectedly, we, we invited her dad to live there. And, of course, after he had passed away, uh, I was going over the apartment one time and, you know, I didn't bother to turn the light on in the laundry room that goes between our side and the apartment side. And making that uh, brief, listen, I know that place by memory, but what I didn't know was that the vacuum cleaner was sticking out just a little bit, just enough that when you walk through there barefooted and you hit your toes against it and break a couple of them, can I tell you something? That is not an experience that you enjoy. If I had just flipped the light on, I would have seen that obstacle in my way and would have been able to make it without any pain. 
my dad was gone preaching one night, and uh, while he was gone, my mother had rearranged their bedroom furniture. I don't know if any of you ladies are like this, but it uh, seems like many of the ladies I know love to rearrange furniture. A friend of mine said if the toilet wasn't bolted down, he felt like his wife would move it every other week. She just loves to rearrange. But mother had rearranged uh, the bedroom and dad got in that night and it was late. Mom was already in bed and he thought, I don't want to disturb her, so I'm just going to slip in and, and uh, go to bed. And, and he said, I won't even turn the light on. And when he went to get in bed, the bed had moved. And so instead of jumping into the bed, he put his head right into the dresser and split his head open. And can I tell you something? Everybody woke up. Instead of succeeding in letting us sleep in peace, the whole house uh, heard the, the racket as he uh, slammed into the dresser. I'm just simply saying there's really good reasons physically to be in the light. But can I tell you something spiritually? We need to be in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. Think about this. He's the light of life. That's what Jesus said. He paid our ransom. And because of that, the song said, His life for mine. Listen, how in the world would I ever want to serve anyone but Him? And the Bible said no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. You can't serve. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. Can I tell you something? There's one master that I need in my life. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to walk in the light of Him as my Savior. But then not only that, I need to walk, and I mentioned a little bit of this last night, but we need to walk in light of the Scripture. We cannot just, and, and please, it is important that you be here, church, uh, every time the doors are open. Uh, I'm looking forward. I know the opportunity is going to come. I'll get to hear your pastor preach. And uh, had the privilege of hearing Brother Neesmith preach at different times. And I know that you know what it's like to hear the man of God preach the Word of God and be fed as the man of God preaches to you. And, and as exciting and as necessary as that is, Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service night, whatever time the church assembles. And by the way, thank you for being faithful to the revival meeting. But the reality is we must not just try to live upon the sermons that we hear. We must personally get into the Word of God and grow as a believer. And by the way, the growth in the Christian life through the Scriptures does not lead you to feel like you're the authority and everybody else knows nothing. And uh, by the way, let me just say this as a side note. Be careful. Everybody that's on the internet is not preaching the truth. Amen. Everybody that's on the radio is not preaching the truth. So don't just assume because they say, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer or I'm a preacher that they're telling the truth. The Bible says we've got to try the spirits and we better discern as, hey, is this of God? And if you're not sure, if you're tuning in to somebody that's you know, giving you some things that seem contrary to the Word of God, Go to your pastor and say, hey, I listen to this guy. I just want to know what you think. And uh, he may not know him by name, but he'll know him by doctrine. And uh, I'm going to say this and move on, but doctrine is essential. I'm preaching a conference later on. I think it's next month or maybe October. And it's a Baptist Heritage Conference. And uh, I've been assigned to speak. I have liberty to preach on, on the subjects any way that I want to, but dealing with the importance of doctrine. And you know, it, maybe it's not like this in Cabot. You know, you're a little more sophisticated than they are in Benton. But I used to knock doors when I pastored there. And, and uh, you know, of course, go door to door. And there's a lot of Baptists that live in Benton. 
And uh, I'd knock on the door and I'd say, you know, I'm Ken Graham, pastor out at Victory Baptist, out talking to folks, inviting them to church, you know, find out if you know the Lord, start a conversation with them. And I can't tell you how many times I'd have somebody say, well, we don't go to church. We used to go. And they say something like this, but we're kind of looking for a church, but we're looking for a church that ain't got no doctrine or nothing. And can I say tonight, if you have no doctrine, you have nothing? And uh, man, I don't mean it's wrong, preacher. I want to hear the truth of God's Word. and I want, to, I want to be able to grow. So we find the Word of God is important. Psalm 119, verse 105. You know this verse. He said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I'm going to walk in the light, I, I think about a message. Brother Reggie Pate was a member of our church. He's in heaven now. And he used to preach a message. I'd seen him preach it a couple times where he would talk about walking in the light and using a flashlight and uh, showing how that it radiated so much around you. And then if you took a step, the, the light would move on. And he was talking about the importance of staying within the safety of the light. And listen, folks, God's Word is a great safety net for our life. We need to be in the book. You say, well, man, really, Graham, I don't understand all the Word of God. Listen, I've been saved 53 years. This is an amazing book. I've read it so many times, but can I tell you, I can read it tomorrow and it's fresh again. It's not like any other book. I have a lot of books in my library. When I was a kid, my dad was an avid reader. He had a lot of books. And he used to say to me, son, when I pass away, I may not be able to leave you much, but I'm going to leave you my library. I'd salivate over it. Man, I'd think, oh, that's going to be great. Then some of my sisters started marrying preachers. And then my cousin Tom came to live with us, and he was a preacher. And so dad would say, when I die, I'm going to divide up my library among all you preachers. And I'd say, well, Dad, if you're going to do that, at least let me pick out which ones I want. Somebody say amen. And so <laughs> my dad got dementia, as I mentioned earlier. And I remember one time we had slipped him in for a service. His health had gotten bad and he was uh, not able to walk anymore and, and uh, was uh, having to have full-time care. But it was their wedding anniversary, so I wanted to surprise my mom and have a special service. And, and uh, Dad wasn't even talking hardly. And uh, so he went into my office, a couple of men took him in there, and then I got service started, went back to bring him in, and he was just sitting there staring. I said, hey, Dad, how you doing? He didn't say anything. I said, what you looking at? He said, books. I said, yes, sir, there's a lot of books there. He said, they're mine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was right. But anyway, so uh, I did get some of them. But, you know, there's a lot of good books. I only own, I would say, outside of the Bible, I only own a couple of books that I've bothered to read more than once. But man, this book right here, you can't exhaust it. It is the most amazing book that you'll ever have a part of in your life. Psalm 119 verse 130 said, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The Word of God will guide us. You know, if i got to make a decision, I will tell you, I don't want to do it apart from the Word of God. It is a guidebook for our life. But not only that, it will gird us. You think about this. It surrounds us with everything we need to be able to stand in the day and age in which we're living. The Word of God will give to us day by day our daily bread. What a great book we have. We need to spend time in it. I would say this. It is a powerful book. You'll never ever run into a book with more power than this book right here. You talk about making people nervous. You, you get on an airplane and have some unsaved person sit next to you and lay your Bible out as you get ready to read something. And boy, they get, they get nervous. You know why? This is a powerful book. 
It's amazing. They don't get bothered by the novels that people are reading. And listen, I don't try to be obnoxious, but you know, sometimes you get your book out and boy, they get, they get a little nervous about it. You start pointing to the Word of God. Listen, it's a powerful book. I'll tell you something else. It's a precious book. Man, I love my Bible. It's helped me through so many, many things in life. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? talking about as we develop a walk with God, we cannot do it apart from the Word of God. This book is precious, but I'll tell you, it's a penetrating book. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. You know that. You go to church, your preacher can preach, and it amazes me, Pastor. I've preached messages, and after the service, somebody would come up, and they'd say, preacher, God really dealt with my heart, and they'll name the subject, and boy, you really hit home on it today. And I'm thinking... I don't even remember mentioning that subject. What are they talking about? I'll tell you what it is. It's this powerful book right here. Yeah. Mm, sharper than a two-edged sword. I mean, it knows how to discern. It knows how to divide. This is an amazing book. It is a penetrating book. It is a personal book. Now, you say, what do you mean by that, Brother Graham? Listen, the Word of God is available to everyone, but when you're His child, it's like He's personally speaking to you from the Word of God. And oh, listen, there have been many times, sometimes when my heart was broken, I'd open the Bible and sweet comfort would come from the Word of God. Sometimes when I was trying to make a decision, the Word of God was there to guide me. I'm just saying it is a personal book. I'm so glad this book is real and it makes a difference in lives. And then not only that, it's a preserved book. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad we have the Word of God? I was uh, in my vehicle the other day somewhere, I think... Uh, um, we were getting ready to meet my son, I think, that, uh, that day. And a gentleman called me and started asking me questions. And, and I didn't know him. He said, you don't know me, but I uh, know you're a preacher. And he said, I wanted to ask you a few questions. And he said, are, are you a Bible believer? I said, absolutely. And so he said, well, what do you believe about the Bible? I said, I believe it all. And before it was over, we had a good conversation. And I mean, everything was good. And he just wanted to know, do you really believe the Bible is the Word of God? Listen, folks, it is the Word of God. I believe this. I believe God gave us His Word. He promised heaven and earth would pass away, but His Word would abide forever. I'm glad that I have the preserved Word of God. Now, I'm preaching tonight from the King James Bible. I believe that is God's preserved Word of God uh, for us today. And I'm, I'm glad, listen, that throughout the centuries of time, God has preserved His Word so that I can read this book and know with confidence it is the Word of God. I've heard people say, well, you know, Brother Graham, it has a lot of... Uh, a lot of mistakes and a lot of contradictions. I always ask them, show me one. Oh, there's a lot of them. I said, well, I don't need a lot of them. Show me one. The truth of the matter is this is the most amazing book you'll ever lay your hands upon. Now, there are some people that don't get anything out of the Bible because the Bible said the natural man receiveth not the things of God. They're foolishness unto you. If you're not saved, you're not going to understand this book. That doesn't mean I know everything about it, but you know what's exciting? The author lives inside of me. And he can express and he can explain and he can expound in my heart the Word of God. And the more I spend time in the Word of God, the greater I'm going to know Him. And I'll tell you, the, the more you know Him, the more you want to serve Him. And let me just say this. We walk in light of the Savior, obviously in light of the Scriptures. I'll mention this one quickly and move on. Walk in the light of other saints. Now, we're not men worshipers. <laughs> But Ephesians 5.8, Paul said, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So we can watch others in their Christian walk to help us grow as Christians. 
And I've been encouraged. I've been blessed. I have been uh, really uh, motivated as I've met other people that were living for Jesus. And uh, there, there are things that you see in life and you say, man, I'll tell you, I, I want to I grow in that area of my life. I want to be more faithful in that area of my life. Uh, Paul said this, if you're not sure what to do, he said uh, in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Now, when we follow what others are doing, let me say it like this, make sure they're following Christ. But that's why God gives us a pastor. That's why God gives us spiritual leaders. That's why God gives a responsibility to parents in the home uh, to give guidance and counsel and, and to set an example of what it's like, dear friend, uh, to, uh, to be faithful, follow the examples that uh, they set before us. Why? Because we need to be aware. Christ is coming again. I still believe Jesus is coming back. I hadn't changed my mind about it. Everybody, I remember when I was a teenager, I heard a guy say, if Jesus didn't come by 1980, that He was going to close His Bible and quit preaching. Can I tell you, that is a foolish statement. God, God doesn't owe me an explanation as to when He's going to come, just the promise that He is coming. You know, Paul said that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He spoke as if he expected Christ to come in his lifetime. And yet there came a time when Paul died. Well, you know, my dad used to preach about the coming of Christ. And you know, I'd hear, hear him say what I've heard other preachers say. I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. But you know, dad went by the way of death. There will be a time when Jesus will come. The trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I know this. Listen, friend, whether we go by way of death or by the way of uh, Christ coming back and we're still alive, we know that there's coming a day that Jesus is coming again. Boy, it sure is exciting to think about. Christ is coming. We need to be alert. The enemy is attacking We've never lived in, in my lifetime in a more wicked generation than we're living in right now. Historically, there have been some very awful times in human history. But I can tell you in my lifetime, it's never been as bad as it is right now. I mean, sin has always been around, but you've never seen it flaunted. You've never seen it pushed, promoted, and, uh, and uh, you know, permeating society like it is today. But I want to tell you something, dear friend. We're not to get caught up in the sin that's around us. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we're to be simple concerning evil, but wise concerning good. And that ought to be the goal of our heart. And so uh, we see here the resource for our walk. Let me say, secondly, we see the responsibility in our walk. He said, walk in the light. 1 Peter 2.9 said, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are a chosen people. In other words, Peter is saying that God has placed upon our lives a very, a very special uh, recognition that we are to be a chosen and a royal and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Our walk, let me say, as a believer, ought to be a holy walk. You know, holiness is not a denomination. Right. Holiness is a Bible doctrine. Don't be afraid of the word holiness or holy. And I'm going to talk about it here for just a moment. But our walk is to be holy. 1 Peter 1.15 But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, let me say this. It requires a sacred walk. 
said, what do you mean, Brother Graham? He said, in all manner of conversation. That word conversation is an interesting word because in, in our thinking, we, we think of conversation only as what I say. But the thought behind conversation here is not just what I say, but it's what I do. It's how I live. It's all about my entire uh, conduct as a believer. And I'm supposed to walk, the Bible said, as a believer, I'm supposed to walk uh, holy. I'm supposed to walk godly. It is a sacred walk. You know, you and I need to realize that serving God, dear friend, is such a blessing. Now, I didn't deserve to get saved. When I was a boy, I heard a preacher say this. I probably was about 14 or 15. And I was in a meeting and I heard a preacher say, you know, it's really not a miracle when a young person gets saved. I mean... You know, if a child or a young, young person gets saved, there, there's nothing miraculous about that. Now, if somebody's lived a life in, of deep sin and out in, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol and immorality, now that's a miracle. Can I tell you, every salvation is a miracle. Amen. And, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to get away from the ideal that the only way you have a good testimony is if you lived in a riotous, wicked way and God saved you. Listen, uh, if you got saved out of a life of deep sin, I say glory to God. But if you get saved as a young person and never get involved in that stuff, I say glory to God. It's a miracle. And because God has saved you by His grace, because it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you know, uh, when our first son was born and I was holding him, uh, I began to quote Scripture to him and read the Bible to him and begin to witness to him because I knew boys need, need a lot of work. But anyway, and uh, no, the reality is, Listen, you look at a baby, nothing looks more innocent than a newborn babe. We just went over Tuesday to see our first great-grandbaby. And man, what a joy that was to hold her and, and, and uh, to sing to her. And that was so exciting to be able to do that. And Miss Graham and I just really enjoyed getting to hold our very first great-grandbaby. But you know, inside of that great-grandbaby is a never-dying soul. This is hard to say. But that baby was born with the same Adamic nature that you and I were born with. And if we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell forever. And so what a responsibility to get the Gospel clearly presented uh, to a person's life. Listen, we are called to a sacred walk as a believer so that... And by the way, you don't have to be... Uh, sometimes people think if you live a godly, holy life that you become a really mean-spirited person. You know the sweetest... People I know are people that just want to live for God and have a life of, of pleasing the Lord. So a sacred walk, but we're required to have a separated walk. He said, as he which hath called you is holy. Our Christian life is different because we know the Lord. We're, we're not just keeping a set of rules. We're not just you know, trying to uh, pray in a certain direction or we're not trying to dress in a certain garment to get to heaven or we're not going through some you know, ritual like some do to uh, think that they're going to earn their way to heaven. We know this. We were saved by the marvelous grace of God. But because we were saved by the grace of God, there ought to be something different about us as believers that would allow the light of the gospel to shine. You know, people tell me this all the time, and it's not what I'm preaching about, but people tell me this all the time. Well, the Bible said God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward appearance, so it doesn't matter how I live, you know, God knows my heart. Well, you know, that's not even at all what he was talking about. But God does know the heart. And He knows it in a way that none of us do. We, we can see 
by people's living and by their testimony, perhaps an insight into their heart. But God is telling us that uh, when we belong to Him because He's holy, uh, that ought to really cause us to realize our life is not our own. We don't belong to us. We belong to Him. And then it should be a serious walk. He said, be holy, for I am holy. Man, I don't know about you, but I sure love the Lord and I want to please Him. I want, it, I want Him to be satisfied with my testimony. Let me close with this, the results of our walk. In 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. So when we walk with the Lord, it provides the basis for our fellowship. And we're here on a Friday night. And we're not here because it's a ball game. And I like ball games. We're not here because it's deer season and we're all headed out into the woods. And I like deer hunting. We're not here because, you know, this is a social gathering. No, no. This is the New Testament church. And the assembly of believers here have come together uh, to have fellowship. Now, by the way, our fellowship goes even beyond uh, just each other. You know, some churches, it's all about fellowshipping with each other, and I'm for that. But we must not forget it starts here. It provides the basis for our fellowship, first of all, with the Father. Notice what he said. If we walk in the light of season light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 3. He said, That which we've seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye, might also, uh, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You understand that in this auditorium tonight, I don't know the, this for a fact, but I suppose if you like baseball, if I was to ask what's your favorite team, we might hear different names. Some might be Cardinal fans. Some might be Phillies fans. Some might be Atlanta Braves fans. Some might be... I mean, it's possible there could be a Cub fan here tonight. You never know. And uh, for years I pastored at Victory, and I think all of my staff members were Cubs fans. And so, uh, which means I wasn't. But anyway, and uh, the basis of our fellowship was not over our baseball team or football team or basketball team or, you know, it wasn't over sports or things like that. Our fellowship was with the Father. And as we think about that, when we fellowship with Him... He'll want us to fellowship with each other. Interesting side thought here. Miss Graham and I, we've been married 46 years. My dad gave me some good counsel right before we got married, among other things that stuck in my mind. He said, son, remember this. If two people agree on everything, one of them is not necessary. <laughs> That's good marriage counsel. He said, do you all agree on everything? Not all the time. You know, every once in a while, you know, I'm... <clears throat> Wrong. But anyway, <clears throat> but the, well, it's hard for us men to admit that, isn't it? And, uh, but the truth of the matter is, did you know God designed marriage like this? The same Holy Spirit that lives in her lives in me. So guess what? I can't let the sun go down on my wrath. I can't allow uh, hard feelings to come between us. Why? Because, uh, listen, if I don't want to get right with my wife, guess who I can't fellowship with? My father. Because I'm going to go to him and go, wait a minute, before I talk to you, you better get things right with your wife. Or whoever it might be. I, I'm just simply saying, when we want to truly walk with the Lord and have a walk with God and deepen our walk with God, 
Uh, it starts with the Father and then with our beloved friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I know, I know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, these three are one. But he does say it like this. He said that we have fellowship uh, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I, I wish I could explain to you, and I know many of you know what I'm talking about, what it's like sometimes. As a songwriter said, we commune as friend with friend. And to know that He is my friend, that He is going to be there in my time of need. And then, as a result of that, we'll have good fellowship with the flock of God. Acts 2.42 said, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You know, there was a movement trying to get men together here in our country, and everybody would, you know, make promises that they were going to be better at this and better at that. But, and I don't doubt the sincerity, but here's what was stated. We'll lay doctrine aside and we'll all just agree to fellowship. Do you know it never works like that? Without right doctrine, fellowship's not going to be right. But when we have the doctrine of God's Word, it brings good godly fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And then let me say lastly, it promotes a proper focus. When we walk in the light, we're able to see clearly. You know, God is not interested in trying to cause confusion. In fact, is He's not the author of confusion. And can I say tonight in closing, if we do everything we know to be the will of God, He'll take care of the unknown. You know, when I got saved, God called me to preach shortly after I got saved. I didn't know everything that God's will would be for me all the years of my... God didn't tell me when I was 13, hey, someday I'm going to have you pastoring in Benton, Arkansas, and you'll be there for 30... He didn't tell me that. But step by step, by the way, when I was a teenager, I wasn't ready to pastor. I could preach a little bit, but I, I wasn't ready to pastor. I had a church extend a call to me when I was 15 to be their pastor. My dad turned it down without even asking me. And I said, you know, I understand that uh, you didn't want me to talk to him. He said, no. He said, it's 40 miles from here. How would you get there? You can't even drive a car. You're not going to ride your bike 40 miles to pastor a church. And not only that, I'm not driving you over there every weekend. And you're not going to move out and live in their parsonage. So, no, you can't pastor that church. <laughs> and then he said, you know, when you can make your bed consistently without being reminded, we might consider you a possible candidate for pastoring. You know, an amazing way of, you know, putting me in my place. But anyway, and the reality is I wasn't ready to pastor. And I thank God that I wasn't pastoring a church at 15. I knew a preacher in Texarkana who started pastoring when he was 15. That just amazes me. Unique situation. But can I tell you something? What I could not do, there were things I could do as a teenager. And, and you know, folks, we grow in the Christian life. And as we walk in the light, He begins to make clear what His will is for our life. And you know, God doesn't show us everything all at once, but step by step, we grow, we mature. We develop, and uh, we'll try to encourage you in that area a little more tomorrow night uh, about what happens when we walk with God and when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word. What a glory He sheds on our way. There is no better life, dear friend, than walking with the Savior and walking in the light of His Word. And if we'll do that, what a difference it will make.